with Paizo, the No Direction Network, welcomes you to our PaizoCon Online 2020 Seminar Coverage. While you enjoy your PaizoCon Online 2020 Seminar recordings, remember that these were recorded online and that some minor audio and connection issues are to be expected. We're back. Welcome back to PaizoCon Online 2020. You just watched the Kingmaker Adventure Path panel. I'm Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Pam from No Direction, and I am joined for this between panel segment with Mark Marlin, Director of Brand Strategy at Paizo. Hey, Mark! Hi, Param. What's going on? Hey, it's uh seems to be going on very awesome because we're doing this big online convention there are hundreds of people watching us you all just yeah. talked about kingmaker yeah. the adventure path getting a reprint i think that was one of the big surprises of the second edition announcement uh was like very 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 quickly afterwards uh when uh kingmaker the adventure path thing was announced and to see uh a well-beloved uh really early in pathfinder's lifetime adventure path mm -hmm get adapted to second edition uh what especially so quickly was a surprise but what was especially a surprise at this panel was to see so many references to the owlcat game and many of its elements being brought into the updated version of kingmaker uh can you go really quickly over some of the elements from the owlcat game uh, that are being transitioned and then re-included into uh, the tabletop experience. Yeah, so um, like we mentioned at the panel, the um, the uh, a lot of the uh, the new characters <clears throat> that uh, Alcat created, specifically the companions, um, who sort of act as your fellow PCs when you're playing it in a solo game on your computer, um, they're going to be making an appearance in the tabletop uh, adaptation. Um, they will um, not be as player characters, but rather as NPCs that your party can encounter, can ally with, can help, um, can antagonize, um, and and will be able to provide uh, 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 benefits uh, to your to your kingdom or to your party or your characters. Um, based on how you interact with them. Uh, we're also uh, bringing in the uh, introduction uh, from the uh, the prologue of the, the computer game. Um, will serve as the first level um, adventure uh, to introduce your party to one another and to sort of set the story going instead of dropping you straight into the action like the, uh, the original um, AP did. We're adding another chapter right in the middle of the... Um, the game and uh, i apologize my daughter is talking as well um the uh um uh, uh yeah so we're adding the season of bloom chapter that they completely invented um in the computer game we're adapting that in um and then the the post log um you know the the epilogue i guess is the actual word um that uh that they put in we're we're also adding in there as end game content for when the dealings of people on the the you know material plane is not enough to keep your 
your PC's interested anymore. Now, this isn't the first time that you all have re-released an Adventure Path as a collected volume. We, we've had the uh, Rise of the Rune Lords that was originally published for uh, actually 3.5 OGL, mm-hmm. and then it was ported yep. over to Pathfinder 1st Edition uh, when you did right. its re-release. And you also did that like really gorgeous, gigantic... A super version that looks like Karzog's spellbook and weighs 500 yeah. billion pounds and uh, can effectively. Yeah. I just uh, I had mine out to show uh, one of our licensed partners on a on a stream last week. I was like, hold on, and I had to go run into the other room. That's mm-hmm. one advantage of working from home is that you know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I, I, can uh, frequent go. Oh, thing. <laughs> frequent the viewers of our, our show will often recognize it sitting in the background because it's just too glorious not to display. Um, well, it, it's it is a little bit expensive and, and difficult to use at the table. So if yeah. you're not doing it, yeah. it's uh... <laughs> and uh, I, I do say, you know, I did actually just also get a normal version to actually use at the table. Um, well, and now the pocket edition of that is out as well. That's, so that, blo- got... that blows my mind that you all released a yeah. pocket version of that. Honestly, that that was us looking hey, completely. Unexpected. As long as people keep trying to give us money for our adventures, we will find ways to um, to let them do so. Yeah. So. And, and then you did Curse of the Crimson Throne soon afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in both and of that pocket edition just came out this week. <laughs> wow. And both of those, uh, both of those products did have some improvements. They weren't just pure uh, conversions from game system to game system. But Kingmaker seems to be a lot more extensive of a scaffolding change here. Uh, what do you think is like the biggest? change that fans of the original might noticed with this new volume i think it's the streamlining i mean i think Mm -hmm. that that when we when we did the original campaign there wasn't there wasn't an exploration mode there wasn't a downtime mode Mm -hmm. um and the kingdom building and management rules worked fairly differently from the way the the core of the pathfinder game assumed that you were running things um, one of the advantages that second edition presents is is the streamlining of rules so that the same, you know, action economy and um, proficiency system and uh, degrees of success or failure, um, all of those can 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 be used um, in all different modes of play. So in order to play the campaign or run the campaign, you don't have to learn a bunch of different systems. You're still using the same core mechanics um, that are at the heart of the game. Um, you're just using those to determine a kingdom level success or failure rather than a personal um, success or failure. Alrighty. Now, I do hate to uh, cut this interview short when it has been unfortunately so short, especially since I have a thousand questions to ask about well, uh, Kingmaker. You know, if you if you want to have me or James um, mm-hmm. on uh, No Direction sometime to do a, a bigger deep dive into what's um, what's in the book and and um, and what our plans are for it? I we'd be happy to do that. Oh, that might be something so we need to put I together. I think that'll that'll be yeah. yeah. Trying to get this into just a few minutes is not going to happen. There's a reason it's taking a thousand pages for us to do. Right, it, so. and, and that's the reason that you all uh, very uh, very immediately uh, filled a two hour panel. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so uh, we will be right back with secrets of. Uh, the Starfinder universe coming up next in just a few minutes. Uh, until then, everybody hang tight. We'll be right back. And 
We're back. Welcome to PaizoCon Online 2020. I am one of your hosts, Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param from the No Direction Network. And I'm here joined by Amanda Ammon from Paizo and also the ever-lovely, ever-talented Vanessa Hoskins, also from uh, the, uh, the, the No Direction Network and frequent contributor to Starfinder. With fantastic hair. This seems very familiar. It's like we do this about every other week or so. Um, all right. So, so you, we just had the secret of the Starfinder universe, formerly called Secret of the Pact Worlds. Oh but we have left the Pact Worlds uh, with mm -hmm. near space on the horizon. Um, actually, yes. wouldn't be a horizon? Or is it a horizon when you're talking about the, the uh, elliptical plane of a solar system? Not what is, is it an event horizon? Mm. Oh, it's not an event horizon because we okay. can't publish R-rated content. <laughs> oh, all right. Right, right, right. Okay. It's, it's the horizon of the drift. I'm very I'm excited about the drift. That film. I mean, it's kind of a horizon. It's more of a theoretical horizon or a psychological horizon, right? Because mm -hmm. if a drift begins, which determines whether something's in near space or the vast. So, it's you know, it's conceptual. the horizon of our hearts, really, is what we're talking about i would say that i, I tell you like mm -hmm. i was gonna say interstellar travel and the drift just fascinating me so much all of my questions about the the starfinder universe always well not always often go to the drift it's like what happens over time at some point is there just no more uh you know external planes left it's just crazy yeah and that question about whether or not we would want to ever colonize the drift the answer is uh, like first some crazy people did there's there's lots of documentations of that in some of the books of crazy people living there um and mm -hmm. uh maybe i'm not being kind with the term crazy people but uh there is very Ambitious. bad consequences when the inevitable horrible things that can happen to the drift happen to people who happen to be there i mean the drift dead yep. are horrifying Yes, they are. Some of our unique undead in Starfinder are particularly creepy and just awful. Like the concept of a zombie itself is awful when you think about it because it's mm -hmm. a person yeah. who had friends and family and a normal life. And then all of a sudden they have turned into a monster, but yet they are still recognizable as that person who had the friends and the family and the life. And you just have so many iterations of that with something like the drift dead, you know, somebody who died in a horrific accident and got left out in the drift. Mm -hmm. um, and some of the other various space and dead that we have is really very, very gruesome. <laughs> you make the... Oh, sorry, V. I was going to say, I just love some of the, the other creatures that live in the drift. Like, there's those, like, uh, spindly bits of rainbowy energy that move around and... Yeah, there's all kinds that. of uh, different, like, holographic type of creatures and mm -hmm. uh, the various things that float out there. You know, it's it's a plane, right? A lot of people yeah. think of it as kind of like hyperdrive, but it's really its its own plane of existence. It's just used for travel. So yeah. mm -hmm. exactly. kind of anything can hang out there. And when it does, it stays forever. Yeah. Which is also... Yeah. And, and because it pulls in parts of the uh, material plane when you enter it, you also get those amalgams, and that's a terrible yep. thing as well. You all have made uh, the terribleness personal in Starfinder, whereas in, in Pathfinder and a lot of the, uh, uh, the, the traditions that we have come to before uh, Starfinder, it's always been like, some of the undead have personals, like you've got the ghosts and your liches and your ghouls and stuff. But a lot of the undead we fight and a lot of the monsters we fight, that, that per they may have once been a person, but they're not that person anymore. They're just the, the, 
They, they became an object with hardness, and then they became squishy again when reanimate happened. Um, and that's not true for Starfinder. It's almost always personal, and therefore yeah. way more scary. Are there any other scary secrets that you didn't get a chance to talk about, Amanda? Ooh, scary secrets. Well, so there's a lot of... Uh, there. Are, there's an entire mythology that is fairly unique to Starfinder that's been built on some of the original Pathfinder material, but it, it has to do with Velstrax, which are mm. basically chitons, mm-hmm. uh, lawful evil chitons from the Shadow Plane. But Velstrax are... They are sort of their own thing. I see V over there uh, nodding. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So you find out a lot about Velstrax in the Signal of Screams adventure path and the just the horror of, yeah, are you okay, Param? <laughs> oh, man. Reading the Alien Archives is just like, I need, I need like a puppy and a pillow and ice cream afterwards mm-hmm. every time. Yep. So a, a lot of folks who, you know, will say, oh, space horrors is such a niche. It's so difficult to do. It's, uh, you know, way down the list of things that are is viable within a science fantasy universe. I love it when people say that or ask us if we're ever going to do it, because then I can go, look at this three volume adventure path, Signal of Screams. Mm-hmm. It's the most horrifying thing that uh, you could possibly think of when it comes to space horror. Um, and a lot of a lot of us on the Starfinder team are big space horror fans. Um, I'm massively a fan of the Dead Space video game franchise, uh, which is kind of similar to uh, Signal of Screams uh, in the sense that there's a ship uh, that uh, was once used for a purpose. Um, and in Signal of Screams, you know, it's originally like a pleasure barge. In Dead Space, it was originally uh, like a colony ship where a lot of mining was was taking place. It was more industrial, but it's that same uh, it's that same really to me fascinating type of uh, of topic. Mm-hmm. Where you've got something that was used for a scientific purpose that has gone horribly awry and is simply the expression of of science going wrong and uh, you know humans kind of failing in their technology and the, the twisted horror that results is is horrifying and fascinating and so you know when people are like oh uh, does space horror actually work I can go yep take a look at signal screams and then tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, and then you have the entire uh, Grimmer space setting uh, yep. that's out there. I mean, it, there's a lot you can really do with, with space horror, uh, much to my own personal horror. It's true. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's horrifying because you, a lot of times in horror, it's all about building up the environment and why the environment is scary. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that is, you know, why a thing is haunted or what happens at this place or what terrible creature lives there. But in space, the actual environment itself is horrific you cannot Mm -hmm. survive within you know the vacuum of space you cannot survive on a spaceship if all of the um the life support systems fail and so that is just a natural backdrop for the horrifying things that are coming out from the unknown you know in Mm -hmm. an environment in which you literally your body cannot sustain itself without you know the technology yeah. Uh, uh, official Pazos in chat asking uh, how many people play uh, Starfinder on Roll20. Uh, a lot of people seem to play Starfinder on Roll20. I have mm-hmm. played a lot of Starfinder on Roll20. It's one of my favorite because uh, my local game scene has not been exactly 
super... I've not been able to participate as much as I've wanted to. I'm getting mm. most of my Starfinder fix through society sessions on Roll20, uh, and I definitely want to keep doing a lot more of that. Um, if, if those of you who hang out at the various looking for group places that you know I hang out at, uh, do, there's a high likelihood that you will see uh, games advertised. And the three of us play on Roll20 all the time. Uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, together, it's yeah. it's so much fun. Uh, Starfinder. I've I've said it before, and I okay. I love Pathfinder. Absolutely love Pathfinder. I uh, I adore Pathfinder too. Starfinder is my favorite expression of D twenty that I've uh, I guess OGL three point X that I have ever played. I think that it is the huh? perfect balance between simplicity, uh, complexity, and elegance in gaming. And I fell in love with that book the first time I read it. That's okay, awesome, Karen. Thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> yeah. That really means a lot. Also, you all have I so just... much fun with this thing. Oh, I'm so sorry, V. Oh, I was just going to say, I just think it's fun to shoot lasers, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And disintegration pistols. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and awakened bears that charge with a bolita on their back with a skittermander <laughs> on their back. You know, things like that. Not that that's been a thing that has actually happened Not in that our that's game that we played. <laughs> oh, it's totally no. a thing that happened in episode six. And I, I still regret allowing it to happen in some ways because I'm waiting for this to bite me in the butt where you're like, well, we can totally do it because we did it that one time. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're talking, of course, of Stellar, the uh, No Direction actual play podcast that Amanda is uh, one of our players on, our, our special guest star on mm. that show. So, um, yeah. Speaking of actual plays, you've got one coming up tomorrow we, night, right? We got one coming up in just a little bit. In, in just uh, 15 minutes, a Dragons and Thing is going to have a live show here. Uh, so do stick okay. around. That's going to be mm -hmm. fantastic. They're going to be playing Pathfinder 2 uh, here mm -hmm. as a special live show production for PazoCon 2020. You will not want to miss that. Uh, again, that is happening here in about 14 minutes now. And, mm -hmm. oh gosh, uh, there's so many great live shows. Like, basically, it's a who's who of uh, Pathfinder community streamers are all on board here. Um, uh, pretty much most of the partnered uh, streams are have some sort of activity going on uh, during uh, PazoCon 2020. And, you know, you don't have to just watch uh, Pathfinder Starfinder being played. Uh, you even if you're just now tuning in, if this is the first time that you're noticing that a PazoCon Online is happening, go to the PazoCon Online Discord. You can find information for that at the Pazo.com website on how to get in there. Um, and there's a, a there if you show up a half an hour before the slots, and the slots are six and twelve, six and twelve Pacific time. Uh, they are letting people get in to pick up games and to fill slots at tables, uh, to get into games. So even if you have not signed up for anything, if you're curious in the, in the world of Starfinder is, if you've always wanted to play Pathfinder 2, are you getting nostalgic for Pathfinder 1 or maybe you've <laughs> never left it or maybe you're still playing like two campaigns in PF1 and having a blast like me, um, <laughs> you need to hop into those channels and you will get to play. Amanda. Are you going to get to play any for the con? Uh, I'm running a, a special version of Starfinder Extreme tomorrow Ooh. from 4 to 7 p.m. Yeah, cool. yeah. This is a continuation of an arc that started last week in which our intrepid wrestler PCs have uh, partnered with another league uh, called New Planetary Order. And they have uh, been tagged to 
tagged in literally to participate in a tag team event. So two PCs are on a team. The other two PCs are on another team. There are two teams uh, or there's one team of two wrestlers. And this is the, the wrestling star from the packed worlds, the undersnaker and his sister, Jane, it promises to be fantastic. And there is an unsubstantiated threat Mm -hmm. that the PCs are trying to identify and stop from happening while they are putting on the show of their lives. So that should be a really fun session. I hope that uh, it is as crazy and weird and silly as it sounds. And please tune in tomorrow at 4 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time for that show. And yeah, in, in that, the, the stream is is just an example of what I was saying. You, the Starfinder team, uh, both with your actual plays, with, gosh, Starfinder Society is um, the, the adventures of uh, Paths, of course. But in a lot of ways, Starfinder Society really helps showcase, like, all of the breadth of... Uh, yes. this, the 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 possibilities this game has, and all the different uh, play styles and genres and flexibility you have with Starfinder uh, that you do get to explore in more depth in the Adventure Paths, in in Signals of Screen, in the uh, mm-hmm. the uh, the Trifold Conspiracy, in uh, Attack of the Swarm. Um, yes, so many good things there. Uh, but man, I really have a special place in my heart for society. It is so much fun, and it, and all of this shows that you all get to have the most fun because when it came mm-hmm. time for the official actual play, you all put a wrestling federation together, and <laughs> uh, and and I saw oh, yeah. that and said, "Awesome!" Also, why am I not surprised? Because you all <laughs> just seem to have it's like fantasy gaming mm-hmm. extra. That's like exactly yeah. what you all do. Um, yeah, and it, it's a it blast. is exact nonsense that sounds like it would come exactly yes. straight from my brain onto the World Twenty screen <laughs> with all of the awesome players that we have from Paizo, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what it is. Yeah. It's just pure high octane silliness, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we, I'm happy to do it. And we want to throw out a, a uh, congratulations to Jim the Gray in uh, the Twitch chat because they just won one of the fantastic prizes that are being given out all throughout the convention. If you are in the chats, do pay attention. Do keep hanging out with us because mm-hmm. I got a peek at that prize pool. There is some fun stuff that they're giving away. I mean, there's the coffee. There's other stuff I'm not going to say because I'm not sure I'm allowed to uh, talk about any of that. But mm-hmm. let's just say I am sad that none of us are are, are allowed to be in entered into these contests we're all disqualified <laughs> uh there's some good there's stuff so many good things all right so i well, hate not only mm-hmm. not, not only good contests but we have a little good content coming up here uh though this is the the last uh discussion panel of the day like we said there's dragons and things playing tonight mm-hmm. uh they've got a, a nice four-hour block uh, carved out to play pathfinder second edition uh tomorrow we have three fantastic panels mm-hmm. the pathfinder rpg q a with the design team mm-hmm. so all of your pathfinder based questions will be answered uh, so definitely show up with that uh the marquee presentation tomorrow is going to be the starship operations and beyond which i know amanda you must be excited for i could just feel you bursting with announcements that you couldn't talk about because i know i see i thought that i thought we were going to be announcing some stuff on this panel because there's some <laughs> stuff that's relevant to the topics mm-hmm. oh, okay. but we are actually saving that which makes sense for the marquee um, event yes. which you know yeah. There's going to be a blog that's going to have some mm-hmm. cool reveals. There's going to be, you know, just various things that I think that's the best venue for it. But I totally really wanted to be like, and we're going to do this and we're going to do that because it's all super exciting. Mm-hmm. So, yes, but everyone gets to find out about tomorrow, which is really cool yes. at the yes. Starfinder yes. panel. So, uh, uh, yeah. And then, of course, lastly, the uh, Ask the GMs panel. Right. And, it out. and we will be mm-hmm. here at uh, 930 a.m. Uh, Pacific time for the pre-show where the crew from No Direction and, and possibly Peyton We'll be here to hype uh, and get things ready, get things started, and get you all 
excited for what is going to be coming up and talk about the fun stuff that we got to pay attention to uh, today. Uh, and so we are unfortunately going to have to uh, call our part of this to a close here. I am very happy for everyone who was able to join us for the stream, everybody in mm -hmm. chat, all the fantastic people at Paizo for putting on these panels and giving us such f uh, wonderful content. I very much also want to thank Peyton for helping coordinate all of this, the GM volunteers and the organized play team for getting all those insane amount of games. I mean... Uh, 1,700 tables. I heard the phrase 1,700 tables for a virtual convention put together in less than six weeks. I, I, I a small story. When we, when we first started planning this, uh, when me and Peyton were chatting, we were like, so there's no way on earth we're going to be able to do the, the organized play, right? That's just going to be way too much to ask. And me and Peyton were like, yeah, no, that's, that's crazy talk. And the very next thing, oh, uh, oh, so hundreds and hundreds of tables. Okay. Wow. They they did work. They did work yeah, and fast. hundred tables. And I, that's crazy. And I also want to, of course, thank uh, the No Direction crew that's helping me, helping us out, and all of the other partners for PaizoCon. And of course, thank you to Sirenscape for uh, the music that we've been playing throughout the convention. Uh, do stay tuned for Dragons and Things coming up in seven minutes. We will be signing out here now. Uh, and Amanda, thank you so much for coming on and, and chatting with us. And I am sure we will see much more of you throughout the week. Yeah, sounds great. Thank you so much for having me on. And I know that there was a lot of questions that were submitted uh, both during the panel and the interview section. So I just want to encourage folks to come find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Amanda Hammond. That's H-A-M-O-N. And throw questions at me and I will do my best to uh, to respond in that venue. Thank you again so much for watching. And thank you, Param and Vanessa, for having me. Great. Bye, everybody. Be uh, The uh, Dragon's Things will be right back. We're back. Welcome to PazoCon Online 2020. I'm one of your hosts, Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Perrin from the No Direction Network. I'm Ryan Costello. And I'm Vanessa Hoskins, a meat popsicle. And it's tonight. And Hi, you're joined today Smith. by Peyton oh, Smith, Paizo's social media producer. <laughs> As I mess up your entire thing, yep, I'm Peyton Smith, the social media producer here at Paizo. And I am super excited with all the uh, panels that the visitor are having on today. And uh, from what I've been able to tell, I think organized play section, like, it's not just the streams that we're doing. We're also doing a whole bunch of stuff with the uh, organized play team and all the organization uh, offline on Discord and everything. Have you guys been able to uh, take a glance at that at all? Oh, we'll see how that's been running. It's a been... glance is about what I've managed to get. Yeah, I'd say a glance is probably about it. Pretty busy running all the tech, but I do see that there are a bunch of games happening, and that's really exciting. So it's been yeah, what I've mostly been doing is hanging out in the PaizoCon bar and PaizoCon cafe on the PaizoCon Discord server. And I've just been yeah. absolutely impressed by the number of games and how easily people are getting into pickup games right now. It's crazy good. And, Justin, um, what have you been yeah, up to? I've been, yeah. uh, uh, I got to play a game last night, but my favorite thing so far has been the uh, Ask Me Anything sections, just reading people's amazing questions and uh, all the great answers uh, all the different developers, designers, and other Paizo employees are having in the Discord. Any That's highlights? Uh Actually, uh, our Alex has uh, Agunas has been asking uh, incredibly uh, interesting questions and getting some great answers from uh, uh, John Compton, uh, Mark Seifer, uh, uh James Case. Uh, you just got to look around. Um, it's James there's, Case. There's so that's, much to get through. 
I will check out the James Case one because most of the names you mentioned, it's like, yeah, okay, I can understand why they would be like their designers. I understand the kind of answers they would be given. But James Case as the OP developer, that would be a very different type of answers to his questions. So that's something I should check out. Mm -hmm. It's It's been a lot of talking about a, a high-budget anime production. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, then, we'll see how long I last in that channel checking it out. But uh, whatever it is, ask me anything. Peyton, what have you managed to get your hands into? Everything at this wow. point. Um, I've been trying to... I've been in the back background pretty much just going around going like, hey, let's go ahead and double check everything. Let's kind of make sure everything's running okay. And uh, I'm trying to give support where I can. And... Uh, it's been busy. At least I don't have to like run around an entire convention just trying mm -hmm. to go to each section here and here trying to make sure everything's okay. But uh, it's been interesting. It's been a very interesting convention, and I've been absolutely happy seeing you know everybody attend it so far. Everyone talking about what you know after the convention, what happened online. I'm trying to keep up with all the discussion, just kind of see you know what can we kind of do better next time, what can we adjust here and there. And there's been a lot of great feedback. There's been a lot of um, you know wonderful just attendance for the most part. And I've been pretty happy with it. And I think someone had a question in chat. I think Zerg Titan, just to answer your question in chat there, uh, your best bet's uh, contact customer service. But I'll go ahead and ask real quick on our little messaging thing, see if anything went wrong. Zerg Titan and, was uh, we'll try to get the Starfinder AP for this month. Still says unavailable, but it should be available. Um, I know yeah. I have a personal stake in it becoming available <laughs> for reasons. Oh, what, yeah, what, don't what, worry. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll send the message along. Don't worry. What does that reason be? Uh, well, I am the author of that adventure. <laughs> we'll get you. We'll get you set up. Uh, tell me a little bit about it uh, without doing too many spoilers. Tell me about oh your involvement God. in it and stuff like well, that, and how excited you might have been working on it. Oh my goodness! So it's the uh, the, the threefold conspiracy adventure path. It's book five of six, and called the Cradle Infestation. Now, at this point, the PCs are. Oh my gosh! Wait. I'm not this month. I'm next month. Well, now I'm sad. <laughs> oh, no. I just double-checked my release date, and it says June. Well, that's next month. But anyway, I think this month is actually Crystal Frazier's uh, oh. Oh, awesome. network. Um, and so I'm still excited about it because uh, I'm excited for her. Uh, but she has uh, part four of six, which is the Hollow Cabal. So that is supposed to be coming out um, any day now. <laughs> so you can add print editions, but the PDF still unavailable. Probably just a matter of getting the digital team to upload it. Uh, but that one is fantastic because I know how it sets up my adventure path. So um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the, this whole this whole series is really exciting. If you like really sort of pulpy sci-fi with like weird aliens and conspiracies, if you're an X-Files fan, you will love this series and you should play it and or run it for your friends. And you said that this series uh, dabbles in like unreliable narrators, right? Yeah, I had the opportunity to write um, some of the back matter for the second issue, which talks all about the greys, those strange gray aliens that erase all all evidence that they even exist, uh, making those who know about them seem crazy at best. Um, and uh, they, one of the things that was difficult about writing that particular article was that you had to come at it from a point of, hey, give all this information about the greys, but a lot of it's a lie. Like a lot of it's not correct or inaccurate in some way. And how do you do that when the tone of most Pathfinder books is, if it's in print, it's canon. So what I ended up doing was I said, okay, this entire article is from the point of view of a researcher who's studying the greys. And it's like his compiled notes. Um, and so uh, this researcher, like it starts off saying that this was found, written on like handwritten paper, stuffed behind a desk. And this person hasn't been seen in two years. And then you go through and you look at their like 
essentially ramblings about you have to know this about the grays you have to understand they're doing stuff and here's what so and so thinks but i don't think that's what's going on i think this other thing's happening and it gives you a bunch of different perspectives on what might be happening with the grays and only some of it is accurate and some of it is is partially accurate so now maybe what you're saying is uh tinted my perspective but someone in chat said love that adventure but it makes it hard to figure out how to role play a gray but it's from uh, jim the gray <gasps> <laughs> Well, obviously, don't believe them. That that chat doesn't exist, and I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> uh, v, yeah. I can already see the cork board covered with like yarn strings on, on thumbtacks. Except at Starfinder, it's just laser pointers. Right. It's it's those like hollow projections where you keep pulling stuff in and putting it out, and then like move that over there and like bring this part in and open it up and turn it around. And... Oh, see, I'd like that, but those are tied together by actual. But those string. are tied together, and yeah. there's like, and it's like boop. And then, like, those are now attached together. And so you bring one in, and it's got all these, like, things attached to it. And you just tug on a string, and the file comes to you. And you look at it, and you send it off. The file, the, no, the power flashes, and it looks like a cat went crazy in the yard store. <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> the danger is that when you start doing that, you actually need the physical paper in the yarn. Because the grays have these special magical computer viruses they can put on your system. And this magical worm will go and eat all the information about them and clean it from your system. Jerk so you go the in there. Yeah, and there's just nothing. Peyton Wormius has a chat for you. He wants to, or uh -oh. they want to know where is your AMA? Uh, I don't have one. I don't think people were that interested, so I decided not to pull one up. That I'd probably be way too busy to answer stuff, unfortunately. But uh, these morning shows are probably the best thing or best time, really, to uh, ask me any questions. So now's your chance. Yeah, I mean, and how uh, are so you? if you're, how am I? I am. It's early in the morning. I think it's uh. It's not super early in the morning. It's about 9.39 right now, and I am excited to kind of get all this going because uh, we've been putting this together for a good chunk of time, and so we're uh, excited to reveal all this stuff to you guys. And speaking of which, uh, if I can bring up my schedule here just to see, I don't know how excited Chad is or how you guys are, uh, but coming up right after our little pre-show at uh, 10 a.m. Uh, PDT, we're going to have the Pathfinder RPG Q&A with all the Pathfinder designers, which I know a lot of people on online have been super excited for. Then we have our Starship Operations and Beyond Marquee panel. So we'll have uh, Rob McCurry and John Compton, Joe Pacini, and uh, Lou Pelazar as well, kind of sitting down with you, going over a lot of the really nice big reveals for Starfinder this uh, for today, along with Ask the Paizo GMs with several Paizo staff. So you can get all your industry talk, industry talk advice, everything else about running your own games as a game master. And stuff like that. And uh, what about any of these panels are you guys mostly interested in? Any topics and stuff? I know you guys have kind of already seen a little bit and stuff, but there might be some stuff we haven't even told you guys yet. So, well, what, the uh, RPG Q&A panel, I'm definitely interested in hearing more about the Advanced Player's Guide because that really is going to be changing the game. For, well, it's changing mm -hmm. the game. It's changing how mm -hmm. second edition releases, what our expectations should be. Like, we don't know, are there going to be just a whole bunch of new class feats or are the classes now like foundational and they're not going to be touched and everything is expanded through archetypes like there's just so many questions about what the next step of pathfinder support is going to be that the advanced player guide is going to answer and i expect at least some hints of it in the panel right. and they're also going to be going into the beginner box which uh is a much less intimidating way to get someone into the game than the core rulebook so i'm curious to see how it went uh different from the core rulebook how it's similar to past beginner boxes what changes have been made now that this is your third yeah this is your third beginner box so those are the two things that I am looking forward to and any surprises, anything I'm not expecting coming out of that panel. Param. You have a of you guys at all or? Oh, what's uh, that? 
So I am really looking forward to the marquee event today, the Starfinder marquee event, because mm -hmm. um, y'all know uh, I really love Starfinder. It, it is one of my favorite games that's been like it was when Starfinder was announced, I was hype. But when I actually got to read it, I was like super excited. It just it's D20 Pathfinder world with like all the breaks taken off and just full permission for the creatives to have as much fun as possible. And, mm -hmm. but one of the things that I felt has been holding uh, Starfinder back has just been that, you know, it, when you compare it to something like Pathfinder first edition with like the absolute mountain of material Pazos put out for it, you know, and, and, and a lot of the Starfinder fans are Pathfinder fans. You just keep wanting more and more and more. Uh, and Calm has really helped a ton there. And so I'm hoping to hear some news about some of the stuff that's been announced. And hopefully, because this is a marquee uh, seminar, some of the things that has not been announced because... Oh my gosh! I want some. I want. Uh, I want some crazy laser whatever that the that the game's gonna have. I want. I want giant freaking robot raptors that you train with like uh <laughs> you know virtual kibble and then they are piloted by skittermanders. Like whatever crazy thing the team comes up with, I'm all on board for it. Well, and I know that like Amanda was just bursting at the seams to tell us about so many cool things yesterday during the Secrets of the Starfinder Universe panel uh, mm -hmm. and was like, nope, nope, got to wait till tomorrow. Can't talk about that yet. And she kept mm -hmm. catching herself to be like, I want it. Mm -hmm. Nope, going to have to wait till tomorrow. So I know there's going to be some really cool stuff. Uh, coming. That, that, that had, had me had worried. Me <laughs> I was worried that something was going <laughs> to slip. I was like, oh, no. Yeah, What's she's been pretty, you? pretty excited, you know, because you have because it's one of those kind of curses that you kind of have to deal with especially if you work in uh the industry like this where you're making all these cool stuff and you really immediately want to show people and be like hey look at this cool thing i just made and do you yeah. like it let's get some feedback but you can't and you still have to wait till an appointed time to kind of reveal it all once you kind of like finally craft it all and um i can understand that pain because there's been times i would sit down during meetings and go like i really want to tell people about this but i can't mm -hmm. and we get yeah, a lot of that I was going to say it was really obvious that Amanda had that energy where it's like something that they, their team had been working on that they, she just can't wait to tell the community. And I think those are the products that are the best. Those are the products that you know are going to be great because the team that put them together is also fans and they are just like, I want you to play with these toys I made for you. And we get a lot of that because, uh, like, you know, as part of working uh, No Direction in the news we do, uh, a lot of the times we will have some advance notice about something that we've, you know, got to keep it uh, hush. But those, like, a couple of episodes that we have where we know something's cool is about to come out, but we're going to say anything, it, it's really hard. And, and sometimes me and Ryan are just like, man, we want to talk about it, but we can't, but we want to. It's going to be awesome. Dustin, how about you? What are you excited about today? I'm running my quest. Oh, uh, no. The first thing I've written for Paizo, uh, I'm running that every day, but starting today. Uh, and I'm really excited because people in the Discord channel about it have been especially uh, hyped for it and uh, really flattering me uh, with, with how much they're enjoying it. So this will be the first time I'm running it outside of a personal group. Um, and uh, as for starship operations, I, I really want to see uh, more options and for more robust uh, starship combat and Starfinder is something that, that really interests me. So I can't wait to see what uh, the offerings are going to be. Now, TRDG11 in chat was asking if they missed anything or if they are just chatting amongst the gang. Yeah, this is the pre-show. The first show doesn't start for another 15 minutes. But Peyton, why don't you go over the schedule one more time really quick or actually how they can figure out how to get the schedule themselves. Yeah, and so if you ever need to get an update of what's
what's going on, going like, wow, what's the next show? What am I going to do? Just do exclamation or exclamation point PaizoCon or exclamation point schedule. And the uh, lovely Nightbot should be able to give you a link to the entire schedule so you get to know who's going to be in it, what's going to happen, and what's going on. But uh, just as a refresher for today, we're going to have the R- uh, Pathfinder RPG Q&A at 10 a.m. PDT. That's coming up fairly, fairly soon. So I hope you guys can get super excited for it. Uh, then after that, we have the marquee panel with a huge announcements for Starfinder for the Starship uh, Operations and Beyond panel which I hope you guys are going to be super excited for that. Um, along with, Next up will be Ask the Pies of Game Master, which might have a couple things in there you might actually really want to pay attention for. And then after that, we get with Starfinder Extreme, where I hop in and I'm playing an uplifted bear called Bear Drills. And um, it's a show that me and... Uh, it, it's, it's a dumb name. Believe me. <laughs> we, uh, we were sitting Own it. It's a wonderful name. I, I, I like the name a lot. And... Um, we were, as we were making characters for, we're just kind of like, it was like, okay, you're all wrestlers. You need to have a wrestling name. And I'm just kind of like, well, I need something dumb. I just need something people would just want to cheer as well. So beer drills became the thing because it's, you know, because I'm playing a Vanguard and uh, I never really get to play Starfighter all that much, unfortunately, because uh, my time is always just fairly busy. So I don't get as much gaming as I'd like in. But the times when I do get to, I've always tried to, I always like leaning to like a tank class sometimes, either a tank class or a caster class. And um, for Starfinder, having the Vanguard has been super exciting. So I can actually be like a very offensive t- style tank. And being an uplifted bear is just intimidating enough. But being able to soak all that damage even more and then just punch people to death with the bear drill, it's um, it's super exciting. So yeah, and I hope you guys bring your hero points in for that one. So the more you watch the stream, the more points you'll generate. And with those uh, points, you can either give Amanda villain points during that show or hero points during that show with the channel points down below the uh, chat window with a little button there. And um, you can either help us or try to destroy us. Those should really be face and heel points. Pretty much. Just she she's very kind where she doesn't use them all that often. So that's why I like Amanda Lashes. She doesn't want to end us off that quickly. But I know um, I know with the other show for Band of Bravos, which will happen on Friday. Um, yeah, Jason isn't that kind. He's going to try to murder me. <laughs> I, I believe I he's going to try to get rid of uh, Lauren Barnes. I have been murdered that by Jason true. Bowman. <laughs> I haven't been killed yet in any of his games. So wow, look at you! Yet right. I'm a survivor, and I'll uh, I'll do my best to keep it that way. There's another. So, hey, Sorry. Did you play a bear out of necessity? Oh. All right, we're gonna cancel the stream. <laughs> <laughs> wow, he's gone. <laughs> oh man, he took it seriously. <laughs> so Peyton, there's another reason that mm-hmm. the fans should be hanging out in the chat room and watching us throughout the whole day, right? Yeah, uh, there's also the interview segments in between as well. You guys will be talking to each of the uh, Paizo employees as well. Right, but and, what's um, in it for them? The people. Oh, don't the worry. Chat. I'm getting to that point. Okay. <laughs> I'm to that point I wanted to add you guys in it too. I, I got your message that um, for the interview segment because that's still important. That's still important information that they can get because you can still ask even more questions and get to know you guys even more. You guys have been helping for PaizoCon for like a long time, way before even I was here. And uh, during the entire thing, giveaways is basically going to be happening through the entire stream. So the longer you keep mm-hmm. watching, the longer you keep participating, the more you're going to be able to win some prizes. So stuff from Roll20, even get some Golden Gold coffee as I tip it over, which is still fairly good. I don't know if it's actually mirrored correctly on the stream and stuff like that, but it's actually pretty good coffee, which has uh, converted me basically because I haven't really been that much of a coffee drinker. Like I'd only drink a little bit every so often, but this is actually like really good stuff and i don't want to drink more of it because i only have one bag but you guys can win a free bag yourself only for the united states unfortunately they can only ship two which i'm 
very sorry because unfortunately this is kind of like how they're shipping the restrictions for it but um yeah they'll be able to ship that over to you but everything else though are, are codes so no matter where you live if, as long as you can redeem it on the online you can use the codes for like world 20 uh d20 pro uh virtual tabletop sirenscape a whole bunch of other services even kingmaker keys we have a ton of kingmaker keys for the video game to give away so if you haven't played it yet which i don't know in chat if you've been able to play kingmaker at all yet for the video game on steam just tell us and i'll see if i can add in the little bit do a little bit more giveaways for you so you guys get to uh play the game a bit more Kingmaker's awesome, and what I do a- want to recommend that anybody that does oh, win yeah. one of those keys or checks out Kingmaker after getting excited about it from yesterday, um, go check out the mod community uh, for Kingmaker. There's mm-hmm. some fantastic stuff out there. One of my favorite mods like turns it into turn-based and makes it basically mm-hmm. play like tabletop Pathfinder, and I have a blast with that. Um, if you uh, if you want to play it that way, and then there's like mods for whole new characters and quest lines, and like replace all your mm-hmm. art and m- amazing stuff. So just because you've been playing Kingmaker, uh, go check out because there's a lot of content that you probably haven't engaged with if you mm-hmm. haven't been uh, looking at what the community's been making for it. Yeah, man, yeah. chat exploded with recommendations for the turn based mod. So oh, it, it's so fun. I love that mod. It was also uh, it's also revealed for Wrath of the Righteous that there would be a turn-based mode that you can enable. Yeah. You can do a real-time or have a mode for it. Yeah. Well, really so fun. you guys are excited for it. Oh, is that uh, the the turn-based mode was so popular for Kingmaker uh, and so well done that mm-hmm. Owlcat actually approached the mod team that made that uh, nice. for their code to work mm-hmm. with them so they could add that directly into Wrath of the Righteous. So if you've played Kingmaker and you've played with that turn-based mod, it should play a lot similarly yeah. even on the Wrath of the Righteous version. And uh, a small plug, uh, if you want a really candid interview with Alcat about uh, Kingmaker and Wrath of the Righteous, we did an interview with them very recently. Uh, just check it out on, on YouTube or the, our podcast network uh, after after the con. Enjoy these live shows while they're live. Uh, but uh, it is like... It is like amazingly candid, um, a, a crazy amount of detail. That team are just pure Pathfinder fans through and through, and it was so much fun just getting to chat with them. Of course, I had to wake up obscenely early because they're in Russia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I don't think I've heard you plug yet is the mm. Pizocon shop. Oh, the Pizocon shop. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have the links all for that right now. Oh, well, but, I uh, the you email have... that was sent to me the other day. It's like, what I can do is that... Um, Throughout the stream, we go ahead and link in for it and everything else. But since you since you already have the information in front of you, why don't you tell me more about the PaizoCon shop? Well, you can yeah. save 20% on most PaizoCon, uh, Paizo.com items by entering PaizoCon 2020 at checkout. What? I'm doing that right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, really, I'm just not going to. I need to do that. Hold on. <laughs> uh, and speaking of shop stuff, uh, it's like, sorry, I thought you were throwing onto me. The case was like, oh, here's an entire ad- assets of like PaizoCon mugs. I'm like, do we? Get oh, mugs? there's that stuff, too. Yeah, it's true. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, no, I'm absolutely just shopping now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in speaking uh, of shopping, um, it's it's uh one thing I also want to mention is that uh for the message that we did about the uh AP not being available and stuff, I have sent the message through and as far as I can tell, they are now working on it. So I apologize for that delay and we should get that set up for you real quick. Awesome. Awesome. Crystal so, will be so pleased. All right, uh, we have to go and get ready for the next panel, everyone. So thank you so much for joining us this morning. There's tons of stuff to get hype about. Stick with us. You will be keeping seeing us throughout the day. And we'll be coming up right after the break with the Pathfinder RPG Q&A panel. All right, see you guys. And 
We're back. Welcome back to PaizoCon Online 2020. I am your host, Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param, and I am here to join you all in this glorious, glorious, fantastic time that is PaizoCon. Liz, I am joined here by Liz Dazelle, designer from Paizo, and you all just got done talking about the RPG Q&A panel for Pathfinder RPG. Always one of my absolute favorite panels to attend during one of these conventions. How have you been enjoying your PaizoCon? It has been really a blast. Uh, it's a little weird to to have PaizoCon from my apartment, uh, but the response from the community has been just, I have just been absolutely floored to see how many people are participating, how many people are playing games, how many people are talking with our staff and with our community. Uh, it reminds me just how much our fan base for Pathfinder and Starfinder is just a phenomenal group of people and how awesome you are that despite the the bizarre state of the world right now that we're still coming together to play games and to see one another and to share this thing that we're really all very enthusiastic about. So uh, thanks for everyone who's who's being here. Um, thanks to everyone who's participating. I hope you're having a great con. I know that I am having a absolute fantastic time here at the convention. Uh, there's been so much news. I just have been blown away by how much the community has organized to make some of this happen the sheer amount of games happening all the presentations the live plays after uh, after the panels and i know that they're going to be going on all weekend uh and then I, i've also seen like the prize list that uh, we're uh, we're giving away so for those of you who are uh, hanging out in chat do hang out because that prize list looks awesome and uh, all you have to do is hang out in chat i know that uh, that peyton is busy uh, organizing that effort and, and giving away some fantastic prizes during the convention. Now, Liz, you all just got done talking about Pathfinder RPG. We're coming up on a year of PF2. And of course, like a lot of the basics have hit. A lot of the books that we knew had to come out had come out. We just got uh, today, literally today, uh, the best theory 2 and all of its uh, monstery goodness. And you guys are always fantastic at your monstery goodness. How do you feel about how the life of PF2 has gone during its first year. I think it has gone really as well as anyone could have hoped for. Um, you know, it's always a big change putting out a new edition. It's a, it's a huge, um, it's kind of taking everything that everyone knows and loves and, and flipping it over um, and turning it on its head. And so there's... Um, you know, there's a lot of, of you know, are, are people going to like this? Are people, are we going to split our fan base between first edition and second edition? Um, are we going to create our own edition wars? Um, and so while we knew we were creating the game that we wanted to see that we felt was really the best Pathfinder that we could make, um, you know, it was, it was an open question of how are people going to respond to this? And, uh, and I have just been really, really um, delighted with the fact that uh, people are out there playing this game and they're loving it and they're enjoying it as much as I do. Um, and that's, so that's, that's really reassuring, um, you know, as we, as we come in and seeing people pick this up and to be 100% honest, this is a very weird year to do it. Um, you know, we, we just released at Gen Con last year. And so we had about six months out in the wild before things started to, to close down, before we started to see game stores closing, before we started to see distribution channels um, scaling back and uh, and seeing uh, the response of the community 
Um, people aren't saying, oh, well, I can't get into my game store. I'm not going to play. People have been um, gathering online. We have seen huge increases in virtual tabletop games. Um, people are people are out there and you're you're still playing Pathfinder. You're just finding different ways to do it. And and that's been really, um, you know, I think that's a really fantastic thing for uh, when when things are a little a little dark outside and, and there's a lot of uncertainty in the world that we can still come together and we can still tell stories and share these experiences with one another. Um, so it's been, you know, I, I really, um, this, this game has, has been incredible and I'm, I'm really proud of what we've been able to create and I'm really pleased, um, and, and excited and enthusiastic that we can share it with one another. Yeah. I have uh, also noticed, like, I'm actually maybe playing more than I would have when I had freedom of movement. I'm, I'm sure getting invited to a lot of games uh, all of a sudden uh, from a lot of people that up until now had way too busy schedules to uh, to, to make weekly or regular games. And uh, I, I know exactly that my right. uh, younger sibling has uh, started their first uh, geoming session running Pathfinder 2 and uh, they're coming up to me uh, you know it's like asking their big brother uh, you know hey what do you think about this pretext uh, I, I wrote this can text what do you think about this NPC how do you uh, how do you make kobold scary um, all sorts of fun things like that and and really I just really love how the community has been growing lately and supporting each other. Have you been doing any uh, online gaming yourself? I have. Um, I've been participating in three, I had three ongoing campaigns um, that were in-person or mixed campaigns before this started. And, uh, and we've switched all three of them to be purely virtual. Um, so one of them is, a, is an in-office game that I play with my coworkers. Um, and so that's been really nice because it means I still get to hear and see my coworkers every once in a while, um, which has just been really much needed connection when we're all stuck in our own apartments. Um, but yeah, there's no distractions. There's no schedule conflicts. Um, I The only game I had to move was this past weekend because I moved and mm -hmm. Otherwise, you know, we're meeting regularly, we're telling these great stories, um, we're figuring out how to use the tools that are available to us, um, and in some ways finding ways that they make our lives easier um, in terms of, uh, you know, with the content that's preloaded on on VTTs uh, like Roll20 and Fantasy Grounds, um, it's like suddenly I have way less prep that I have to do to run a game. I could just log in and start going. And so that's that's been really nice. It's been a nice change. Now, I have noticed that you all announced that uh, the beginner box that you all believe will be releasing upcoming, uh, unlike the Pathfinder 1 beginner box and even the Starfinder beginner box, which kind of pared the rules down into a more simpler form of the game, this is actually going to run the same uh, version of the game that we're used to playing already? That's exactly right. Uh, the the game mechanics and the game structure and the game system is exactly the same game. What we have done is we've said, you don't need 100 options at first level. Here is one choice for your ancestry. Here's one choice for your class. Um, and we're sort of, in some cases, we're kind of making some of the decisions for you that if you switch over to the full game, you'll realize, oh, actually, that's a choice that I could make. Um, but mechanically and play style, you're playing the same game. The rules are the same. You're going to use exactly the same words and the same modifiers and the same 
uh, same actions, same turn order. Um, you're just what you'll find is when you step from the beginner box to the core rulebook, there will just be more of it. You'll have, I mean, in some ways, I guess it's kind of like going from the core rulebook to the APG. There's just more. Um, you're going to realize that there's more background options. You're going to realize that there's a couple of extra actions that are a little more complicated that, uh, you know, you can't fly in the beginner box. So we don't have a fly action. Okay. Uh, it's not that it doesn't exist. It's just not included in the game because you don't need it yet. Uh, I don't know if you've all have announced this. Have you, have you said what uh, classes that uh, beginners will be able to choose from? Sure. Um, that's uh, going to be the same set that we had in the first edition beginner box. So we'll have your cleric, your fighter, your rogue, and your wizard. So you have a nice, well-rounded adventuring party that hopefully won't die too much. Hmm. Okay. I, I approve of that, 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 that grouping. I happen to have all those um, miniatures from the, uh, from the whiz kids line ready to go. I, I, uh, oh, yeah. I often break those out uh, when I run demo games at stores and try to teach people games. And I imagine that's a, a, a situation that a lot of our viewers today are going to be in because I, I don't mean to make some generalizations and I am sure that there are some fantastic people watching this, that this is their first exposure to PF2 or Pathfinder, or they're just checking out uh, what uh, offerings Paizo has, or maybe they're a fan of one aspect of it, but they're not a fan of the other. But I bet a lot of the people viewing this are uh, more of the more experienced gamers in their gaming group, or maybe even uh, they're the game masters or people that are really like leading the uh, the enthusiasm for Pathfinder or Starfinder in, in their sure. communities. I what, think that's probably a fair assumption. What use, uh, how would they take advantage of uh, the beginner box or recommend the beginner box in order to help teach the game? Oh, sure. The, uh, so the beginner box does uh, a couple of things that I think um, help bring new people in. Um, it's a little bit, the the reading level is a little bit lower. Um, so some of the language is simplified and streamlined, um, which makes it more accessible for younger players. Um, the, the age on the box is 13 and up because of the plastic components. Um, but as far as actually reading and understanding the text, um, you know, if you wanted to bring your younger sibling in, if you wanted to bring your kids into this game, um, you know, the, it's, it's, it's designed to be accessible to them. Um, we've, we've stuck with concepts that are going to be familiar, that are going to be common across any fantasy game, um, any fantasy story, so that you can jump right in and you don't have to learn, you know, what is a grim stalker before you can start understanding what's going on in this adventure. Skeletons are skeletons. They're easy to understand. Um, it's also great for anyone who wants to get into an RPG who doesn't have a friend or a sibling or a family member who's already playing. Um, if you want to dive, if you if you if you're watching live streams, um, if you're watching um, some of the some of the games that are available now, and you say, hey, you know, I want to try that. Um, this is the intro step. You can pick this up off of well, come this fall, you'll be able to pick it up off of your game store shelf, pop it open, and it walks you through how to play step by step as you're playing. So you don't have to read a 600 page rule book. You don't have to internalize a huge number of rules. You can sit down and start right away uh, at telling these stories with your friends. And there's not, uh, you know, we've just flattened out the learning curve um, and made it easier. So you, you, you can you can teach yourself. Um, which I think is uh, the studies that we've seen have shown that most people who play RPGs learn from someone else. This is going to open it up to so many more people. It, it's it's almost like a um, a guild system where you're apprenticed or you're mentored into playing RPGs. You usually have yeah, exactly. somebody that 
that introduces you. Uh, now, that's right. That's right. So switching from the basic or the beginner to the advanced, the advanced player's guide is obviously one of the big things you all will be talking about uh, tomorrow, I believe, is, is when you'll be uh, doing Friday. Friday. Not that I know what time is anymore. Yeah, I don't. This is weird. Friday? I have I've been living PaizoCon, breathing PaizoCon, and eating PaizoCon for a month and a half now. Um, it, it, it all exists in an Ur state. Now, I yeah. was curious, uh, what the APG historically is a, is a very important name uh, for Pathfinder because a lot of people consider Pathfinder wasn't really Pathfinder until the APG came out and you mm -hmm. all got to show us how Paizo re-envisioned what the game is. That's not the situation you're coming into now. So how does the APG fundamentally change uh, Pathfinder 2 or complete what you all wanted this game to be? I think what you just said there is exactly how we envision it. It is a completion of the game in a lot of in, in a lot of ways. Um, the the big thing that happened in first edition Pathfinder with the that version of the Advanced Players Guide um, was the introduction of archetypes, which we put out and turned out to be a huge component of our game for the rest of that game's life cycle. And so, obviously, in second edition, we said this is something we want from the get go. Now, um, in our core rulebook, we had archetypes. Um, but they were limited to the multi-class archetypes. They were uh, the the ones that let you play your fighter cleric or your um, you know your bard barbarian. In this advanced player's guide, we're going back to the um, to to that concept of archetypes as something that you can apply to any character um, and really start to specialize. And so that's why we've got this whole chapter on archetypes that um, we'll talk more about on Friday. Um, but it, that's the biggest throwback to the first edition advanced player's guide of, of we know this is a big component of the game and we want to get it out there and build that foundation. Um, but uh, aside from that, um, and even including that element, this book is a completion of the sort of foundational pieces that we think are, you know, if you're only going to ever have four Pathfinder books, uh, you know, the, the Advanced Player's Guide is going to be the fourth one you'll pick up. Um, it's going to, uh, it's rounding out the ancestries to be broader. It's giving you those versatile heritages that Mark mentioned earlier so that you can play a Tiefling, um, you can play a Dompier. It's giving you the uh, the new classes so that you can bring your first edition character forward. And it's giving you these archetypes so that you can really um, start to customize your character to be exactly the concept that you want. You know, we, one of the things we say about Pathfinder is that um, the, that we really value that customization and the, the depth of options in the game. And so that's what we're doing here. We're giving you those options. Um, it's also going to include more spells, more items, more magic items, um, more feats, um, more backgrounds, you know, more, more, more. Um, and so um, just because there's so many great ideas, we couldn't fit them all into the core. This is giving us the space to really round out that package of game options uh, and choices for you as a player. Okay, now last question before we have to uh, sign out and get ready for the next panel is uh, you mentioned it's been uh, a great uh it's been more well received. Uh, PF2 has been. What has surprised you about PF2 uh, now that you've, it's been in the wild or how people are playing the game that you all just didn't see foresee happening? Like, is there a way the game has been used or, or a play style or, or, or discovery that you were surprised about now that it's in the community's hands? I don't know that there's um, anything that sort of made me go, whoa, I never saw that coming. But I'm really, really heartened to see how many people are picking it up um, and the 
um, just the positivity with which our fan base and people even who aren't playing the game, who aren't fans of Paizo and Pathfinder, um, are looking at this game and talking about it. Uh, that that people have been consistently um, speaking highly of it, saying this may not be the game for me, but it's beautiful. It's well designed. You know, it has interesting options. Uh, you know, there's there, people like to get out there and hate on things on the internet. Um, it seems to be a, a hobby of the internet and. Uh, and I haven't really seen a lot of that towards second edition. And, and that's been maybe the most surprising thing of all um, that, that we have, you know, we haven't seen that kind of, of uh, you know, people dunking on the game just because it's there. Um, you know, people seem to be really positive and supportive. Maybe that's, we're growing up as the internet. Maybe that's um, that we've succeeded in creating a really fantastic game. Uh, I don't know, but it's, it's been good to see. And I, and I hope we can continue that because um, it makes, everything a lot more fun and enjoyable for everybody all right well it was wonderful getting to speak with you uh we will be right back soon with the uh, starfinder marquee panel uh, starship operations and beyond and we also want to thank uh, sirenscape for providing the interlude music that you all are listening to uh we have been playing uh, mostly the uh, the the pathfinder sound sets of course because uh uh, that is, but you might hear the no direction sound set because we do have a sound set on Sirenscape. We very much thank them for uh, for for helping us with that. We've been fans, and, and they're an official Paizo uh, partner, correct? That's right. Excellent. Now, uh, oh, also disclaimer: they also are a sponsor of No Direction. Uh, so everybody, uh, we will see you in just a few minutes, and until then, enjoy some uh, some music, some background, and more importantly, have a fantastic PaizoCon. And we're back. Welcome back to PazzleCon Online. I'm one of your hosts, Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param from the No Direction Network. And we also would like to thank Sirenscape again for that wonderful music uh, that we were hearing during the break. I am here with a couple of my team members, Alexander Gunas, Vanessa Hoskins, and of course, senior developer from Paizo, Mr. John Gumpton. Hey, John. Hello, hello. Good to be with you. Oh, fantastic. So you talked about, uh, in the previous panel, you just introduced a horrible daemon uh, with VR goggles and lots and lots and lots of scary things. Did it attack your internet connection just now? Uh, that would not be a surprise. It, I mean, normally they absorb you into videos and try to get you to die there, but I'm sure that they could also cut your internet connection and just vex you to death that way. You probably just made your will save. <laughs> Only barely. Okay, <laughs> fantastic. Okay, so you all just did the Starfinder Marquee panel. Lots of cool announcements. Uh, one that hit right off the bat was, uh, as a surprise at the end, you announced that there was going to be a new class playtest uh, coming up no. soon. And you didn't yes. mention what class it was, so everybody pay attention and, and, and be on and bated breath and edge. Uh, you also talked a bit about Alien Archive 4. You talked about uh, Starship operations manual a book that i am super hype about actually it's maybe the book i've been looking forward to most coming out since starfinder's launch uh and finally uh you also mentioned the galaxy exploration manual uh, that was announced at the panel uh can you tell me a little bit about how that book came together yeah so one of the things that brought it together was the idea of wanting to have a GM book of some form. And the more that we looked at what might go into a GM book, 
like for example, a, a game mastery guide or book, mm -hmm. the more that we said that wasn't quite the right solution for Starfinder, and also the more that we realized we had all sorts of really cool ideas that weren't a fit for a classic game mastery guide. And so Galaxy Exploration Manual really evolved from that, especially around the notion of saying, hey, if we want to Planet of the Week, if we want to go out and be really exploring and meeting new people, aliens, what have you, rather than just, you know, uh, being part of a military or shooting or starship combat sort of thing, how can we make that happen? And one of the answers is we need to provide GMs more tools because Starfinder, you can go out wherever, you can make whatever you want, but sometimes you just need a little bit more, more in terms of your toolkit to have a guiding hand along the way. And that guiding hand is really galaxy exploration. So what sort of tools will this add to my toolbox as a Starfinder GM that wants to focus on an exploration or a discovery kind of campaign? This is understanding what biomes look like uh, and different, and different uh, geography. So saying, okay, I'm not just going to say that this is a mountain area, but rather, what do mountains look like on a variety of different planets? And how can I think beyond an Earth-like paradigm to make things weird and wonderful? So that's one of the big tools. Uh, but also, uh, what are the technologies going to be like that will help me to explore these places so that I can build characters who are going to thrive on this exploration sort of uh, idea? Mm -hmm. uh, so there are, of course, going to be new character options on that front. So that's not just a GM book. It is very much a player-facing one as well. Um, but also there are going to be a bunch of tables. Uh, Joe Pacini was really a big fan of tables, and uh, I think that mm. a lot of the ones that he cooked up to put in here are going to be a really fun time. So whether it's saying, uh, what are some of the ideas of adventure hooks for different uh, types of environments? Or if I'm at a high-tech area or a low-tech area, what are some of the adventure hooks or societal uh, quirks that might show up that I could use to help create these worlds and make them come alive for players. Now, uh, who, what team is working on that book that we should, any names we should recognize? In terms of authors? Yes. Or in terms of our in-house folks? Oh, both. Uh, <laughs> so first off, uh, we, we tend to have a lead developer for any given book. Mm -hmm. uh, Joe Pacini is the lead developer for both Alien Archive 4 and for Galaxy Exploration Manual. Um, I was the lead developer for Starship Operations Manual and the book that we have not yet announced uh, that we've barely hinted at with a playtest. Um, so uh, Joe has been really leading the charge on managing our set of authors for that book uh, and leading the development now that we have our turnovers in. Um, but we have a variety of really cool, there's both some favorites that you would know and love, uh, but also we have a variety of new authors. Hmm. Um, Alien Archive 4 in particular has been a really great opportunity to try out a whole bunch of people uh, whose names you may not have come across before, but who are really adding to the selection of Paizo authors and, and adding some cool ideas some cool diversity, some cool perspectives that we've just not explored as much as we could have. And so a bunch of those who are showing up in Alien Archive 4 are also returning for Gem, and it's really cool. Uh, I, I love a whole bunch of them. Um, you're going to find some people like Simone Saleh, uh, Emily Parks have been doing fantastic work that I developed in Alien Archive 4 um, and are both returning for this project. Uh, Kate Baker comes to mind, who uh, worked on a set of um, options that are near and dear to my heart. Uh, and we probably have about 20 different people on the book. Another thing that uh, we explored with Galaxy Exploration Manual is a new way of setting up our assignments, which is to provide sample chapters to our authors. Mm. 
typically we would rely on the outline alone to do this sort of thing. But um, I worked out with Joe an opportunity to use one weekend to write an entire subchapter so that we could send it along to our authors and say, please do things like this. Mm -hmm. um, and Joe was talking about cohesiveness of the tone in a given book earlier in the uh, in the panel. That is one of many tools that he's uh, referring to. Oh, very cool. So uh, speaking of authors, uh, the other big book that you spent a long time talking about was, of course, Starship Operation Manual. And uh, we have two of the authors here. I brought them in, actually, because I had that quick access to them and could throw them at you. <laughs> so Alex V, have uh, at John. Uh, also, uh, the third author was Hillary Moon Murphy. Is that correct? Was the third original author, right? Original mm -hmm. authors. Yeah, Starship Operations Manual uh, started off as a slightly different style of project. And uh, one of my first tasks when I joined the team was um, sort of refocusing quite where that uh, product was going. And the Starship Operations Manual is the final version of that. So three original authors were Alex, Vanessa, and Hilary Moon Murphy. Um, and so their, their words probably represent somewhere around 40% or so of the final product. Wow. Um, and so then much. for our wave two of things, we, we brought in so about 15 other authors uh, oh, to wow. further expand on things. The manufacturers, the sample starships, mm -hmm. a lot of our adventure hooks and more are representative of that much larger cast of folks. Uh, I enjoyed the uh, the the redshift reference uh, in in the manufacturers. Do their ships go super fast? They sure do. Uh, them <laughs> and Terminator are two of the Versite uh, Speed Demon manufacturers, always kind of going back and forth. Right now, uh, Terminator is the one who's doing the best, and Redshift is in the corner, being like, "We used to be cool. What happened?" Um, so. I, I find that a lot of the rivalries that the authors built in with the manufacturers were really precious. That's funny. Uh, so tell me, is uh, can you tell us if there's like a Skittermander manufacturer? And if you can't tell us, then what would a Skittermander starship look like? So first off, we have full body art of a Skittermander mechanic for one of these manufacturers. Uh, who's kind of turning around and <laughs> being like, yeah, I'm working on a starship. What's it do you? Sort of. <laughs> and we have one of the manufacturers that is... Um, it's a Vescarium-based manufacturer that started off very Vesk-only, Vesk-pride, Vesca all the time, and has started hiring on a lot of Skittermanders and has regretted it, by and large. <laughs> um, but they have a bit of a, re a reputation in the Vescarium for being the ones who sold out to the Skittermanders and all the others. Um, and, so it's not Blood Mountain Clans, but, but uh, I, it might be... Might be Vindicus. I'd have to check back. That's amazing. <laughs> every, every manufacturer has a cute drama built into it, and that's part of the setting building that I really wanted to establish with the Wave 2 uh, writing. That's so cool. So with uh, with the character operations manual, there were new roles for uh, a starship introduced, and that sort of changed the way that starship combat works. What is the biggest thing? I'm sure there will be plenty in there that will change starship combat, but what's the biggest thing or the thing that you're most excited about that's going to change how starship combat works in the starship operations? Manual. So for for every single new weapon that we have, for every single ECM device or expansion bay, those are all going to change Star Starship combat in some way. But when it comes to like big uh, big actions that just change the nature of the game or open up new opportunities, really the squadron combat and the armada combats that uh, Alex pioneered <laughs> are going to be really big because they're things that are going to uh, trigger new styles of play. There's also the uh, boarding combat, though, which mm -hmm. was that you, Vanessa? I did the boarding combat. There you go. Which, uh, as I mentioned during the, the panel earlier, is 
is a new way of thinking about how we do things. It's not just going to be a game about trying to always stay at the maximum range of hexes or anything. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're just going to want to drive into somebody. And when we were ordering uh, and developing some of the new starships, we ordered a couple of starships that are specifically about ramming. So one of the new Viscarium, like size huge, size gargantuan starships is built to be tough as nails and have a ram on the front and just... It's an unholy terror because it will chase you down and drive through you. Yes. (laughs) And then we'll shed Viscarium troops or Vesk troops onto the outside of your hull who crawl in and hold you up at gunpoint. Um, Yes. The original ramming rules were The the ways that these new options, yeah, the way that these new options really build new new approaches to Starship Combat, I think it's going to be really exciting and trigger all sorts of new narratives. I know for me, when uh, I was working on it, the number one thing that I was told to do was like look at a whole bunch of the scenarios that uh, you and Thirsty put together. Because back mm-hmm. then you were still on the uh, the that on the organized play team, and it was like, oh, look at this cool thing that 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 that, that they did. How can I make this work and make it bigger? So I'm, I'm really excited to see what uh, the book looks like. Uh, speaking in terms of what the book looks like, do you have a favorite piece of art from it yet? Uh, so some of those logos turned out beautifully. Uh, we briefly showed a chapter opener. Really, all the chapter openers turned out amazing um there's a there's one early on that shows two starships one of them having uh, recently bashed the other one and has fired um fired a weapon type that basically works like a glorified harpoon uh and is already in the process of boarding another starship um so you get to see those locked together um but really a lot of our starship art also turned out really inspired um and it's our artists are some of the unsung heroes of these books because they will get some wild art briefs and have to make sense of them and give us something <laughs> back in turn. And we're like, do this, but make it full of nails. And we're like, what? <laughs> I, Here's what some Hell Knights look like. Go do that. I can only imagine what that they brief for the... Stuff. I can only imagine what that brief for uh, the for Jason Keeley's monster looks like. I want you to draw. I want you to take a pepper and cut the pepper in half. And what you see on the inside of the pepper is this monster's face. And it's like, oh, we sent a picture of the bell pepper. Is there any? Uh, series and Alien Archives are books that when we brainstorm mm. them, we oftentimes get the entire editorial department into a cramped room and we just throw ideas at the board. And you always have the first half hour, which is really super productive. Mm. And then the last <laughs> hour is sort of like, uh, what if it were made of peanut butter and jelly? <laughs> we're, we're, we're talking about planets, folks. We need planet ideas. All right. I, I hate to cut this short, but we have to get ready for the next panel. Thank you so much, John, for coming on. Thank you, Alex and V, for hopping on last minute to help out with this uh, interview. No problem. Uh, thank you, everyone who is joining us for PaizoCon 2020. We've got the... Uh, the next panel coming up very shortly, and we will be right back after this. With Ask the Paizo the... GMs. Thank you very much. Nice. You're welcome. <laughs> And we're back. Welcome back to PazoCon 2020 Online. I'm one of your hosts, Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param. And I'm joined by my No Direction co-host, Ryan Costello. And a very, very special guest, uh, which is the Starfinder organized play developer, Thurston Hillman. Also one of the absolute best reasons to go to a PazoCon. Hey, Thirsty. Oh, hello there. Hi, Thirsty. Mm-hmm. Hi. So, it's good. Yeah. 
How's your? Sorry to turn the questions around on Param. Now he's all confused. <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, surviving this. I am having a, a grand time, and uh, it has definitely been a interesting uh, and learning experience to manage to run an entire online convention with the help of a fantastic staff, uh, as well as uh, you know the hosting parts of this. As well as watching just what the OP team is doing, watching how Peyton is making all this uh, come together, it's it's crazy. Uh, watching all the other uh, games uh, getting put together, the live plays. Uh, I was painting uh, miniatures uh, for a Pathfinder game while watching dragons and things last night, and it was uh, it was a grand time. That's awesome. Of all the PaizoCon things that I've uh, figured out how to get in, the paint and take is one thing I haven't worked into my schedule yet, but you've already got that down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do I need to just send you random minis and bad paintbrushes? Yes. Okay, sure. That works. <laughs> Can I get them across the Canadian border or is that still like a, a DNZ? Uh, I might get hit by a $25 custom fee for that free mini. Yeah, Who knows? Yeah, isn't that the worst? And it's so random, too. It is. Wait, the, I can't the randomness is what's really upsetting. I can't send Correct. you a free gift? You have to pay customs on a gift? Someone has to look at that gift, Param. You could be a terrorist sending us yeah. terrorist things. Plus, do you know how many times people sell things and send it as a gift? They're on to us. Yeah. But you know what? This this is the first time it's been a Canadian majority on a cast in a long time, Thirsty. So thank you for that. Yes, I got you. We just got done having the Ask the Paizo GMs panel. And I have to say, this was probably the best one that I've watched in years. And I've seen them all for the past few years. You all did great this year. I, I just kind of like ramble on about things in my home game or things I've seen from my from my gaming experience. So if my my loud shout ramblings can impart some wisdom onto some game masters out there, I'm all for that. So you say you're just loudly shant uh, shouting randomness, but isn't that your GMing style? F fair enough. I, th that is true. That is true. With a layer of like horrible darkness underneath it, like. <laughs> I've seen again. I was not lying. I was not lying when one of my players last week said, "What like what did someone do to you to make you like this?" <laughs> I'm pretty sure shouting random things is also how you develop because I distinctly remember helping a bug person try to woo an AI by sneaking him into a J-pop concert. Yes, <laughs> yes. All right. How's your con going, Pi uh, Thirsty? I always right. called you Paizo. Paizo, it's the shirts. It makes me all official. <laughs> um, no, actually, it's uh, been going great. I've been hanging out in the uh, the, the, the PaizoCon bar. In fact, you. during the panel, James Jacobs may have called me out there being like, oh, I'm glad I came in here and Thirsty is still in the bar. It's a shame <laughs> he was like 20 minutes last post. I'm like, I'm in a panel, James. At the exact <laughs> point, he was like, Thirsty, pay attention to your panel. Um but no, it's been great. I've been hanging out there, chatting with people, getting to meet a whole bunch of new people, uh, just through games or through the various uh, you know channels. They have got an AMA that's going on there. Oh, yeah, how's that going? Ask me anything. Ah, oh, it's going pretty good. Um, I've had to put a moratorium on like will X Y Z uh, species be a boon in Starfinder, and uh, give the blanket statement now of uh, Magic Eight Ball says maybe. Uh, but aside from that, aside from that, the questions have actually been uh, really, really good and uh, getting a lot of enjoyment out of just, you know, interacting with fans, which is kind of what PaizoCon's all about. I know I've been sort of up and down with, like, the switch to online. Like, I get a lot 
lot of my social energy back from going to conventions. So I'm trying to claw as much of that social energy out of this event as I can. Have you gotten any games in? Uh, sadly not. My my schedule right now is pretty jam tight. I wasn't able to like sign up or get into any games just because uh, right now I'm kind of on the mad dash to Origins Online, which is just a few weeks away and now we got gen con online and oh yeah like yeah june right yeah like june 16th so like and june is next week yeah 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 uh-huh what is this year the worst uh, year <laughs> fair yeah we uh we actually designed a t-shirt in january of like 2020 the year of critical successes or confirming successes or something and that has just become a sad joke can we can we change it to ones and it doesn't need to make sense anymore uh, well maybe we can do like uh cancel due to quarantine or something just stamp on top of it uh you just need to write do down over. Uh, year is 2022 just write down <laughs> the, uh, um, the gm rolled these Oh, okay. <laughs> we fudged Fair it. Enough. Oh, never do that. <laughs> oh, well, speaking of, uh, there was a lot of GM tips, but I imagine that right now, uh, people watching this convention uh, with you know people getting into more online games, a whole lot of people stepping up to run those 1,700 organized play tables going on during PazzoCon. Yeah. How in the world do you all manage that? Yeah. Um, a lot of people are stepping into the GM seat for the first time. Uh, so if you could tell one thing each, gang, uh, a, a small bit of advice to a new GM that isn't uh, often said or and wasn't covered in the panel, what would it be? Momentum. Momentum matters most th more than most things. But what's a momentum? Don't stop for rules. Don't stop to think about it. Go follow your gut instinct a lot. Don't doubt yourself because you are in that seat for a reason. Thirsty? Focus on fun. Like it's it's very simple to forget that, but your players, especially if they know like this is your first time GMing or your first time GMing organized play or whatnot, you know, if you focus on fun, that's what they'll remember. They won't care about the rules. They won't care about like all this stuff. I mean, I can, uh, as I like to ramble on random stories as things come up, but I can remember my first time GMing at a convention was Gen Con many, many, many moons ago. And I showed up all eager-eyed, ready to take some uh, some floater slots because I hadn't signed up for anything and I literally decided to go to Gen Con like a week before Gen Con. Wow. And I showed up and um, I was running this, this table, this high-level like cursed item super complex game. And then I ran this game called, like this, this scenario you may have heard of it called Frost for Captives way back when. Oh, awesome! It's pretty, it's pretty popular. Um, and I was running it and there were these two people at the table who just knew all of the org play rules spoiler alert i knew no org play <laughs> rules and like they would just handle all the org play stuff and like very clearly like if i was like ah yeah that sounds right if someone would ask a question they'd be like uh sir no that is wrong and in fact um so that became a I, later turned out they were venture officers for the for their region in Georgia. No really funny there. story. <laughs> but uh, then there was like forum posts the week after Gen Con saying like, yeah, we were at this table and this guy was like super excited and it was great GM and it was the best experience of the con. And I'm like, oh, thank you because I didn't know any of the rules <laughs> or what I was doing. <laughs> Oh, my one bit of GM advice I'd give any new GM, and honestly, experienced GMs too, if they haven't figured this out yet, is everybody that is taking the time to show up at your table, especially a weekly game, uh, is 
after an experience. They're after some sort of thing from your game. Find out what that is and be explicit about it. And also let your players know what you're after. If you all can just have a conversation to figure out what sort of fun, what sort of games, what sort of stories you're wanting to tell, even if they're different, you can sort of come up uh, with ways to weave them together and make sure that you all leave the game satisfied and eager for the next one. Absolutely. One time a new player had joined when I was the venture officer, the venture lieutenant in Montreal. A new player had come to the store and uh, he had this big dragon tattoo on his arm. And so I called over the clerk and I was like, at some point today, try and get a googly eye on the eye of his dragon tattoo. And so it was, again, it was all in the uh, idea of like having fun, making this a unique experience. And it's just, it goes outside of just making sure the game itself is fun. Make sure the experience is fun. Mm -hmm. And that man is Jeffrey Chapman, who played in my home game for like 10 years after that. Yep. I mean, my math is off five years after that. <laughs> Like 10 years, though. <laughs> you can have the best improv, get the rules 100% right, and remember all the NPCs and to an empty table if they're not enjoying it. No, you can't. <laughs> but sorry, <laughs> go back to your point. I'm saying that even if you do all that, if, if your group isn't having fun, it's still an empty table. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so important to just make sure that you've, you've got them as part of the game. Because you can do everything right as a GM, and... It just might not be the game for the players you have assembled. Like, you could run this beautiful carrion crown game, and that just might not be what people are there for. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. All right. So we are going to have to say goodbye here soon. Uh, I see how want it is. to... I want to thank everyone who has managed to show up for the convention. Uh, you all are what makes a convention a convention. Because if we were just showing up by ourselves, it would be a, a business meeting. Um, I mean, even if we rolled dice, it would just be a really fun business meeting. Uh, and we appreciate all of you. We hope that you all are having a fantastic PazzoCon. It's going to continue tomorrow. In fact... I'm going to put the schedule up here and let you all see it. So make sure you tune in. Uh, okay, first, it's not done today. Right after I sign off, uh, Amanda Hammond, Peyton Smith, John Compton, Jason Tondro, and Andrew White will be doing a live online performance of Starfinder Extreme. And you really, <laughs> Thank you. really need to watch that. that. That is a fun show. I cannot believe they got the permission to do that. Uh, I still don't believe that Starfinder in general gets the permission to do what it gets to do. Um, it, 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 it is just so fun and random. But yeah, they're going to be do, uh, live here at 4 p.m. Uh, Pacific Daylight Time. And... When you also get to tune in tomorrow, Thursday, where we're going to open up with the Art of Paizo at 10 a.m. Pacific time, then the Marquee Ceremony. Thursday, you'll be here for this one, won't you? The Organized Play Marquee. I will. I'll be spilling all sorts of secrets, many of which people have been asking in my AMA thread, and I'm like, come back for that panel! And uh, yeah, we have we have a lot of really cool stuff that I am very excited to share coming up in that panel. Then, in Venture Path Design, you all, if, you, if you've ever wanted to know how to put together a fantastic campaign, you don't have to do it like an Adventure Path, but it sure is heck is beneficial to know how they do it and because this is one of the most complex things to put together and there is tons you can learn from how a professional designer puts 
a humongous project like that together. And then finally, to wrap up Thursday, our friends over at Roll for Combat will be playing a special Pathfinder 2E adventure with guest player Eric Mona. I think that that will be fun. He uh, was on a episode uh, just a little while ago, and they had a blast. So you definitely want to check that out. Um, and then, of course, the uh, convention continues Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with even more fantastic and enjoyable events. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday! <laughs> oh, I'm not sure we're allowed Sorry, to say I... that. Oh, no. Oh, oh, no. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right, everyone. Uh, you, think that's, you think Sunday, Sunday is copywritten? Uh, a, a lot of it is like the phrase let's get ready to rumble you're not even allowed to That's stream true. there's all sorts of weird stuff especially when it has to do with broadcast sports alright fair now enough now I've ruined everything <laughs> yeah. yeah cancel PaizoCon the lawyers are coming Oh, all right, everyone. We are going to sign off here. We very much appreciate you all and continue to enjoy a fantastic PuzzleCon. Do not go anywhere. Make sure you check out the Starfinder Extreme coming up right after this. Everybody, it's been a blast. Au revoir. Bye. <laughs>The New Direction Network's PaizoCon Online 2020 seminar coverage was made possible thanks to the KDCon team, consisting of Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param, Ryan Costello, Alexander Agunas, Vanessa Hoskins, Randall Meyer, Dustin Knight, and John Godek. Special thanks to Paizo's social media producer Peyton Smith and the entire Paizo staff. For more great Pathfinder, Starfinder, and other RPGs news, reviews, podcasts, and blogs, check out NoDirectionPodcast.com. 